The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 36. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy, a.k.a. Barack O'Comics. This week's episode, we conclude our favorite 80s action movies talk with Matt Burton. And this time, we've also brought Donnie Salvo along to join in the conversation. So, hope you enjoy that. If you haven't listened to the favorite 80s action episode part one, uh, go back to the recording that was uh, dropped on September 15th to enjoy that morsel for you. Also, I want to thank the Matineados podcast for uh, collaborating with us here at the PKD Black Box during the PKD Black Box slash Matineados Collaboration Month as we talked about movies on a, on a weekly basis um, for the month of September. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of this. I've had a great time doing it. Looking forward to doing this next year, too. So I hope you all come on back. So uh, to Joey. Uh, to Matt and to Alec, who were on various episodes, and also shout-outs to Vern, who uh, was on the Jurassic Park episode that the Matineados recorded. Um, thank you guys for being a part of this. I truly do appreciate it. Just so you guys know, the Matineados podcast is also doing a Halloween horror-themed podcast in the month of October where they talk about some of their favorite horror movies. First week, they're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street um, with Chris Tabor of the Crankcast. And then after that, they're going to talk about The Exorcist. Then the third week, they're going to talk about um, just a, a slew of various horror films. And then the fourth week, they're going to talk about Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. Oh, and I shouldn't recognize the other directors uh, from the other films. Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, and The Exorcist, William Friedkin. Be on the lookout for that at Matinee Idols. Uh, that's matineeidols.com, and that's Idols, I-D-L-E-S. So, But thank you guys for being a part of that. I never mentioned this a couple months back, but after we did the Jack Bauer, Chuck Norris Power Hour episode, a gentleman by the name of Michael Carter sent me an email um, about a website called thatguywiththeglasses.com where this gentleman reads and tells you the story of Chuck Norris Karate Commandos issue one, but it's a video. So like take Tales from the Attic and combine it with, uh, <laughs> with live video, and this gentleman does a retelling of Chuck Norris Karate Commandos issue one uh, by Marvel slash Star Comics. Props to Michael Carter for doing that. I meant to mention, mention that a long time ago. And I never did, so I'm taking that time out to do that now. Also, I appreciate any and all iTunes reviews uh, that anyone gives uh, for the podcast. Trust me, I appreciate that because of your reviews and ratings. Every now and then I see it's bumped up in the top 120 for visual arts podcast, and that is just like glorious. So, Thank you to each and every one of you that uh, submit an iTunes review or like iTunes rating or whatever you do. Thank you. And I just appreciate y'all doing it. And for anyone that hasn't done it yet, if you do it, I thank you in advance. Just so you know, show's always looking for emails. So if you have a moment and you have a question for the PKD Black Box podcast for myself, for Donnie, for John, send us an email. Black Box, all one word, blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Uh, blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Send us an email and we will uh, definitely get to it. I promise to get to them a little bit sooner 
than Mr. Carter, who sent us the Chuck Norris uh, Karate Commandos uh, email. I have to give one last shout-out. This shout-out's for listener Chuck Zarillo. Chuck sent me a copy of Street Fighter slash Return of the Street Fighter on DVD, starring the one and only Sonny Chiba, as well as a DVD 20-pack of a slew of martial arts films. And I watched them over my birthday this past weekend. And I just wanted to say thank you to Chuck. I really appreciate that, man. You didn't have to do that, and but I do appreciate it 100%, and the movies were awesome. So thank you. And now, on with the show. We're back once again with the 80s action movie Explosion, and last time it was just myself and Matt Burden, but this time Matt Burden is back. Not only is he here with me, with me today, but fellow co-host Donnie Salvo has returned for the 80s action movie extravaganza Explosion Fest. That's a lot of damn words, but, yeah. <laughs> but Matt... And other adjectives as well. <laughs> <laughs> the He'd director's have... cut. <laughs> Go Donnie, Matt, how y'all doing? I'm I'm doing good. I'm excited to be back for our five hour. I mean, I'm excited to be back for um for for more action fest and digression and tangents and and anything else um in between and 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 just happy to talk to you guys. So I'm good, man. I'm good. I will echo that, but with more adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. We, uh, we sent Donnie, because Donnie couldn't make it for the uh, last uh, 80s action movie uh, film favorite fest. So we sent him a list. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this, you've changed the name of this show seven times already. I, I know, man, because I didn't write it down. See what happens when oh. I don't write shit down, Donnie? Do you see what uh, happens? All right. Okay. <laughs> but, I'm sorry. You're, you're... But Donnie wasn't able to make the last session, so we gave him the list of films that we've already talked about, so we wouldn't have to go, no, man, we already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, but you know what? Because you weren't here last time, Donnie. We're going to let you go ahead and go first. So, Donnie, start us off. Oh, snap. I didn't know I was going to go first. I'll have to go with Missing in Action. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say that one first. Dang Who, it. <laughs> was, see, that's why you shouldn't let me go. I always pick the ones you're going to pick. I, no, that's, hey, man, it's all right. Go ahead. Talk, talk about Braddock. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember as a kid seeing that. And he was the one in every action movie, like parody movie, did this one scene where he came up out of the water with that big ass M60 mm -hmm. and just unbelievable. Great movie. I liked it. And it's Chuck Norris, dude. You can't go wrong with Chuck Norris. No, no. 80s, 80s Chuck Norris uh, has some uh, very uh, fun films to watch, uh, needless to say. But, but can you say, though, and this is a movie that I want to talk about later, if, if you don't have... First Blood, do you have Missing in Action? No. Okay. No. I don't think I so. Like the, I like the cover of Missing in Action as, a, a lot. It's a probably, it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the most phallic yes, uh, film, film posters of all time. It's not, not only um, am I ripped, I have a beard, a headband, and there's an exploding uh, helicopter behind me. Look at the size of my cock gun as well. <laughs> it's... It's absolutely crazy. It was part of the little box set I ordered for about one one of my Earth pounds from Amazon. <laughs> um, Delta Force, Delta Force Two, and Missing in Action. And yeah, it's it, just the poster alone is awesome. Yes, it's it's about as eighties as you come. It the, really is. The tagline for the film is "The war's not over until the last man comes home." 
You know that's right. <laughs> and you were behind, Chuck. You wanted him to rescue all of Vietnam. And, and uh, Roger uh, Dante played second Vietnamese businessman. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you might know Roger Dante's from such films as Missing in Action. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, he was made... He was cloned. He was made for that movie. <laughs> uh, missing in action. I did, is, was there enough room on the helicopter for, for the cows and, and, and sheep of <laughs> Vietnam as well? Uh, well, we're here. Here, cats of Vietnam, follow me. And I'm just going to throw this out here. Uh. According to IMDb, who was an extra, uncredited extra on that movie? Jeff Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw my hat in the ring and say um, it's either Seagal or Van Damme. Yeah. It was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow. He was in the background clapping either side of himself. <laughs> yeah, he was popping and locking. He was. He was, he was the guy in the back just doing splits. <laughs> <laughs> he was t- tapping a, a short Chinese man on the back saying, why those guys try to hurt me? <laughs> At which point, shot to the face. Uh, <laughs> So I'll simply say, from the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to reach the time of the gathering, when the few who remain will do battle to the last, and no one has ever known we were among you until now that Freddie Mercury sings the soundtrack. And we have, we've, just, we've got the goodness that is Highlander from 1986 with Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert um, which launched his career for 10 minutes just being Highlander Um, (laughs) it's it's the one film where the tagline there can be only one is so apt it's so it's so very apt because the other films don't exist and neither does the TV show so it's it's it, it's so it's so good. Highlander is, is awesome. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's um, a film about immortals and uh, sword fighting. P- very strange casting decisions focused around nationality and accent, and people driving through the streets of New York doing crazy things. It's it's such a good movie. When when did everyone first see Highlander? I first saw Highlander when it came out on video. I, I didn't see it. Actually, that was one film I didn't get to see in the movie theaters because I don't even think it made it close to my hometown um, mm. when, when it dropped. So I saw it like on a rental. And it was kind of weird because like you know dudes would get their heads chopped off and then Christopher Lambert would just like start screaming like Michael Jackson and like lightning would start striking. I'm like, what the hell is this? Now, I appreciate the film much more now. But the thing is, is that I got to see the sequels. Like I didn't see the second movie until it came to HBO. And then the um, was the third one the one with Mario Van Peebles. You yeah. know that's right. That's the one I saw in the movie theater. And yes, I did. I did. Yeah. That's the one I saw in the movie theater. And essentially, before the movie theater, before it came out, everybody like you know all the press releases were saying, okay, this is how you're supposed to watch these movies: one, three, then two. And I'm like, so I'm like, why are you telling me this? I, I don't understand why. I, I didn't really get that. I'm like, why are you telling me this? Can I just go watch this movie? And when I saw it in the movie theater, I was like, oh, this was pretty cool. Then, like, I watched it a year later. I'm like, oh, this is pretty much shitty. Yeah. So, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoy the first Highlander film. I think it's yeah, it's probably the best thing that Christopher Lambert has ever been in. What else has he done? He did a film about chess, didn't he? Uh, I don't know. I just know he, he was, was he was in he was Fortress. raiding. He was raiding in. Mortal of course he Kombat. was. 
Oh, <laughs> come on, man. Any Bubba Dog. Yeah, see, I, for, I forgot that he was raiding. And, and, every, and every third line was, I don't think so. And I really, that, that got old real quick. I'm like, come on, man. You ain't L. Cool J. Stop saying that shit. There was another movie he was in that was. Fortress. Absolute. He was in Fortress. Yes. Yes, yes he was. Yeah. Mean Guns with Ice T. Oh, God. No, no, no. Uh, he was also in. Oh, wait a minute. Was, no, he wasn't in Trespass. Um, Gunman. Yeah, and Big Daddy Kane wrapped in it for three seconds. Yes. And it also had Patrick, <laughs> and then Patrick Stewart was in it because Patrick Stewart played Loomis. And, and he uh, was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunman was fucking and terrible, though. Dennis Leary was in that, too, with Mario Van Peebles. Yes. It all goes back to Van Peebles with us, Sean. I don't know why. I don't know. It's kind of scary. But you know what? Let's uh, let Matt talk a little bit more about Highlander. Now, what are all the things that you enjoyed about the movie? But this, when I, I'm, I'm, calling, I, I'm calling Gunman if we do a 90s show. I'm calling it right now. Oh, Go ahead. I've, I've got my list sorted for, for, for that one. Navy Seal. No. Um <laughs> The bits and pieces that I kind of grabbed onto when I, I mean, I saw it on video as well, and I think I was probably 12, I want to say 12, 13 when I first saw this. Um, and visually, it's a stunning film. You know, all those all those big tracking shots, the crane shot at the end, where, where they're kind of, I mean, where else would you fight but in some kind of industrial warehouse where most finales happen in these movies? <clears throat> Terminator 2, Terminator. But it's visually striking, all the, you know, the fights happening at night and it's always lightning or it's, it's raining and it's always well lit. And it's kind of that MTV video style. And I mean old MTV videos, not now where it's kind of all cru- you know, cut like a Bruckheimer movie. It's, 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 it allows you to see the action, but it's done very artistically. So they're silhouetted or it's, it just looks really, really striking. The, plus the idea, rather than time travel, where it's, they're immortal. So, you, you know, there's never any downtime in this movie. You're always going to get, you, you get kind of, I think it's, uh, the year 1523 or wherever it is where he's in ye olde Scotland then he's in Second World War there's another time shift there's another it, it's just exciting it's a, it's a really good thing but the comedy for me always comes out of um, the casting decisions it's there's something not ironic but always very strange about they cast I think Christopher Lambert is Austrian I want to say he's Austrian so I'm going to say he's Austrian <laughs> and he's playing a Scottish person he's being trained by a Spanish character who's actually a Scottish person <laughs> who spent a long time in Japan and still has a Scottish accent even though he's Spanish and spent a lot of time in Japan. And so what you have is Christopher Lambert with a... He's, no, he's French. Oh, do you know what? Who cares? His name's Christopher he, Lambert. <laughs> he, he was actually born in Great Neck, Long Island, New York, and then they moved to... Yeah, his father because- was a United Nations diplomat assigned to Switzerland. And Dead then he moved to Paris the, at 12. The right, there you go. He's, con- he's, he's just as confused as Ramirez in that case. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> so he's standing on the, the kind of like the, the front of this boat and doing his karate kid training. But instead of Miyagi rocking the boat, it's um, <laughs> you're wet behind the ear. It's, uh, it's Sean Connery sitting there. And he says, um, he says, why don't we get some haggis? And uh, Sean Connery says, but Highlander, what is haggis? And, uh, and Christopher Lambert says, it's big stomach full of stuff. And he says, that sounds revolting. And you, in, the, in that moment, you're, you get the whole thing with Sean Connery that they cast Sean Connery to play Sean Connery in every movie. It, he, can be an Ameri- <laughs> he can be an American-Japanese translator in Rising Sun and still sound like this. 
and he can also be a Russian submarine commander and still shan't like Dersh. And everyone, ar- and everyone around him is acting their nuts off, usually Sam Neill, who's doing his very best, <laughs> even though he comes from New Zealand, yes. is doing an incredible Russian accent and must harbour incredible hatred for Sean. Because in every scene, he's thinking, we are going to, we are going to cross the bed, you want to do this? And then he goes, yes, I do. I'm going to do some fishing when I retire to Loch Ness. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, it just uh, that that one scene with the it sounds revolting is just it, it encapsulates all of the fun to be had with Highlander because it doesn't matter because all you want to see is see the Kurgan cut people's heads off. <laughs> so, there you go. There's my Highlander rant for you. I don't think anyone anybody ever has talked that much about Highlander in one sitting. <laughs> that is. I awesome. don't think Christopher Lambert talked about Highlander <laughs> in one sitting. <laughs> No, seriously, that's awesome because, like I said, I do enjoy the first Highlander film. Once again, it's one of those 80s films. You look at it, and it's just it's filmed in a way that literally describes the 80s. You have a, a big final fight in a big warehouse, and the good guy wins, and all the windows get blown out. So that's the one thing I remember from that movie more than anything was the final fight that I remember immensely. And there's a bit of wrestling at the beginning because it's Madison Square Garden and it's proper old school 1986 wrestling right at the beginning. And <laughs> I want to say, oh, I cannot remember who it would have been. Anyway, there's some very famous wrestlers in the ring, which I'm sure I'll find out <laughs> during the course of this episode. But yeah, I'll look it up right now. Donnie talked about missing an action with uh, Mr. Braddock. And the film, I think, um, without this movie, you wouldn't have missing an action or possibly any other films of this type of genre. It would be First Blood, uh, starring Sylvester Stallone as a uh, un- mentally unstable Vietnam War vet abused by the small town's police force decides to uh, say, fuck it, and I'm just going to start fucking with this whole town and its police force because y'all mess with me. You know the man has issues. Why y'all picking with him? He just wanted to have a little bit of peace. That's all he wanted. But, mm-hmm. it's, but instead, they mess with him, so he decided to, to, call, to wreak havoc on the whole town, and it was up to uh, the police force to find a gentleman by the name of uh, Troutman who knew of John Rambo's ways to... Uh, to bring him, bring him in and bring him to justice. My parents took me to see this movie at the movie theater um, in 1982, so I was seven years old. I had not a fucking clue about, you know, or his reason as to why they kept messing with Rambo. Only thing I knew is I'm like, okay, this dude, the only thing I could, I could surmise as a seven-year-old was this, this guy was in Vietnam. Why are you messing with him? He's, you know, basically, I'm like, he did his job, and now he's home. He's kind of unstable, can't y'all get him some help? Why y'all picking with him? He ain't do nothing to y'all. And now, he, now he's on the run. And the one thing I remember most about this movie as a child is that Rambo blew up a, blew up a gas station for no reason. <laughs> he blew up a gas station for no, no reason. He, he, blew, he blew up a gas station because Brian Denny, he was a dick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. what that whole movie was about yes. yeah. was like, I just remember looking at that gas station explode and I was just like wow I'm like that's not fake at all I watched it a couple weeks ago on AMC and I'm like see there's no way you could get away with doing something like that nowadays no way that would all be computer generated mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's one of those types of films where yes it is you know it is an action film it is a thriller but it's also a little bit of a drama 
at the same time because you know you're dealing with and I can I can never say this correctly but I guess uh, post traumatic stress syndrome um, in, yeah. in in a way it's like one of those early films that kind of like takes a, a serious look at it but they mix it in with the action film it's like how can we talk about something very serious but get people to see it I know let's make it an action movie got it John J Rambo won a Congressional Medal of Honor and you know his time in Vietnam still haunts him came to hope yes right he came to hope washington see that's the whole other thing too the town is called hope washington what are they trying to say he comes to hope washington to visit a friend and he gets picked on the dick sheriff <laughs> brian dennehy brian dennehy <laughs> and little does the sheriff know that that in, that you know him insulting and picking on rambo would uh lead him to uh you know wreak havoc on the town because this film is very serious, unlike the sequels that came after it, where those are just straight up action movies. Those are, you know, we're blowing shit up. You know who the bad guy is. Whereas this film, this film is more of a serious action movie in the sense where it pulls you in and says, okay, who's really the enemy here? That, see, that's the point at which it turns. Um, <laughs> and of course, there's, there's the alternative ending, isn't there? Because they originally shot him. They shot him. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they originally shot him being shot. Um, here, the, in the book or the yeah i think in the book he he dies and the i can never remember the colonel's name uh the colonel uh, um, either he he shoots him or he he uh, he he, that's it he um when he's going for the big cuddle at the end because he's the first um he's the first ever action hero to to show that it's okay to cry he yeah he pulls troutman close and apparently and he and he gets shot and that's it it sort of ends on this on this downer and no sequel possible because he's not immortal but the bits of it that i i, I really like are those moments where dennehy you, you almost you get that awkwardness where he realizes that what he's doing is it's all his fault they're those little whenever like a radio call come in and go he's heard another one you can see his face like just thinking oh god what have i what have i done i'm such a twat it, <laughs> it, it, it it's it's great and all he needed to do was just not do that drive where he drives him and just drops him at the bridge and then it starts raining and Rambo thinks I've got big hair this is not good it's raining I need to get into you know to shelter and, and get back to town and they just keep on picking on him but it's it's not heavy going but it it's very well shot and it's shot very much like a 70s movie as a, I don't know where that makes sense um, as opposed to um, what you get used to as an 80s movie so like Deliverance and like, I suppose, kind of French Connection stuff, where they do just let the camera capture the action, and and they don't do the, they don't you know zoom in and do all that stuff. It's it's shot really really nicely, but serious movie, really really serious movie. And and yeah, you're right. He just goes ballistic at the end, just taking out the town um, with that with that big old gun. Very emotional. It is. I came what? home and they spit on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was either expecting one of those or Donnie to start to just cry a little bit. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I, I fought for my country. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, yo. <laughs> See that? This this is the this is the movie I think of in the middle of Lethal Weapon, where the guy is um you know where the the cops are doing the Christmas carols. And they're, they're singing Silent Night. And uh, the guy says, see, men of the 80s. The men of the 80s end tough. They cry and show their emotions around women and shit. <laughs> and he says, um, 
He says, I think I'm an 80s man. How you figure? He said, last night I cried in bed. Hey, there you go. Sounds like an 80s man to me. <laughs> it's like John Rambo's an 80s man. <laughs> I want to talk about Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah, man. <laughs> from 1985, where he went and rescued and destroyed, he rescued POWs and destroyed Vietnam. <laughs> All by himself. With a bow and arrow. Remember, he used an explosive arrow tip on one Vietnamese, like, colonel. Yes. Just, just one. He just blew the shit. He just blew. Well, that's going to sound bad. He blew him up real good. That sounds better. And it, it was written by Stallone and James Cameron. Yes. What? Yes. And originally, the beginning of the movie was going to... Originally, it was going to be a buddy cop movie. Um, and it was going to be him and, I want to say... Uh, Kurt Russell. Was it Kurt Russell? Or? It, was, it, was, it was supposed to be a buddy cop movie uh, or kind of a, two comrades. And it started in a mental institution, kind of like T2. Uh, yes, I've watched the features. <laughs> so, so, but yeah... But, of course, the biggest thing about Rambo 2 was fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, Sensei. Because <laughs> he was in it, and he had a little necklace. The, the, the Cobra Kai guy was in the movie, and he had a little necklace with four bullets on it to show he was really tough. <laughs> Shit. Please wow. carry on, Donnie. I'm stealing your movie. You no, no, go ahead. It's funny. <laughs> no, I'm done, man. That was, that's all I got. <laughs> but this, I mean, this movie defined action movies for me. As a kid, man, because I saw this before I saw Commando. I don't know if it came out around the same time or not. It was just insane. I mean, they sent one man to a country, and he just he just fucked it up. <laughs> I'll give you the second one. The third, see, the third one is beyond ridiculous. Oh, it, it's, why, dude? <laughs> dude, I look. I, 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 I love eighties action movies, and I can't even sit through that one. Cause look, oh, I, I love oh. look. I, you know me. I love the ridiculous. Okay, I love the ridiculous. There's a reason why I watch Big Trouble in Little China at least once a month, because it's ridiculous. Because that's just filled with awesome. Yes, that, it is, that's it is, why it, it is filled with awesome. Jack Burton, me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Thank you, but um, well, Rambo Three had Kurt Wood Smith in it. <laughs> Did he call anybody a dumbass? You dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> go we're gonna go fight these people you dumbass <laughs> we gotta rescue Truman you dumbass but the beginning the be the beginning um, f straight from the end sequence of Kickboxer um, um, features, features Stallone against someone who uses martial arts and yet Stallone still wins oh it was so bad so so bad. Don't I, remember I, the scene in the cave? <laughs> <laughs> is that that's the, is that the self surgery sequence where yeah. yes yep. no <laughs> so bad so bad but the thing that the thing that Commando and not some probably Rambo one to a certain extent and Rambo two and then Rambo three is the scene that that is necessary in all 80s action movies, which is the tooling up scene for the final 
fight, which usually involves a, a, a close-up on somebody applying mud to their cheek and then a quick pan down of a, a magazine being put into a gun or bullets being put into a clip, maybe a grenade being being jauntily hung from, from some kind of sling um, and then a knife being whacked into some kind of holster and then quickly pan back, I'm ready because I've got all of my mum's best guns on me um, and I'm... <laughs> I'm ready for battle, but uh, Rambo 2 uh, owns that kind of thing, because I think it's raining, and he whips his hair around very, very quickly, and he's got every gun in the world strapped to him, and he's ready for action. (laughs) Rambo 2 also features um, him with, I don't think he's got any kind of guidance system or targeting system on the helicopter, neither does he know where the POWs really are. Could there be more huts? Fuck it, let's blow up the whole village. <laughs> <laughs> He just goes for it, man. It, it's a good final final sequence, isn't it? Because it's helicopter v helicopter at the end, isn't it? <laughs> Remember, mm. Weird Al did that in uh, what the hell was Weird Al's movie, man? Uh, UHF or VHF? Yeah, yeah. Remember, he had that muscle suit on. He was in a helicopter, and he's all, <laughs> and he's just blowing up. <laughs> That's how you know it was a good movie when Weird Al parodies it. Yes, it's like music. <laughs> you know, you got to hit Weird Al parodies your song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was when Nirvana knew that they'd hit big. Yeah, <laughs> when, when they did Teen Spirit. Doesn't it, doesn't Sly shoot a rocket launcher through the window of his helicopter to blow up the other one? Yes. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> it makes sense. You, you're taking it out of context and I'm you're making sorry. it sound stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see. I can. The, I leave the, the the disbelief at the door. But the the even the kid part of my brain would go. But surely, when it hit the glass, wouldn't it explode? You know, <laughs> it managed to pass through the glass and then go and then go across the the stream. No, I'm just nitpicking. <laughs> it's it's you. It's so it's so good. And he almost had a love scene, didn't he? She oh says, "I I won't go back with you." And he says, "Okay." <laughs> he said, "I don't know." <laughs> Let me call Mickey and see if there's room in the basement. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and then she gets killed point. in the next instance. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I guess I don't have to take her. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. I'm going to go for um, sadomasochistic costumes in the desert. There's no Tina Turner anywhere to be seen. There's just a cool car and a dog and Mad Max 2. Known to the majority of the world at the time as Road Warrior. And the reason for that was um, back in 1979, uh, George Miller, of course, directed uh, Mad Max in Australia. And at that time in Australia, that that was the that was the big apparently the biggest box office success in its own country. Um, so that was the biggest Australian box office success, kind of homemade um, movie at that time. A distributor was found in the states. They put Mad Max out um, very badly dubbed because the um, execs at the time just thought that the Australian accent would be incomprehensible to um, to the American audience, and so they put a very bad dub over it, um, including American-born um, Mel Gibson, which is really weird. Um, so it wasn't received particularly well. So when um, Mad Max 2 rolled around, um, coming out in 1981... 
the producers and um, director George Miller wanted to package this a slightly different way so it would cater to everybody. So what they did um, right from the beginning was they wanted to call the movie Road Warrior so that they didn't have a, a kind of a sequel label on it so that everybody could jump on board. Um, and also at the beginning of the movie do um, kind of a flashback sequence which... Uh, you you could almost get away you could totally get away with this you could jump into Mad Max 2 without having seen the first, first Mad Max and be completely at home um, couple that incredible um, c- cinematography from uh, Dean Selma Simler, um, who also was a cinematographer on Dances with Wolves and countless other movies apparently this is the, the movie that he's most frequently asked about whenever he's asked to speak at, um, at seminars or, or is sort of talked uh, talk to about cinematography it's always Mad Max 2 um, and I suppose for probably the reason that it never stops it's almost like one continuous chase um, the last the final chase sequence lasts about 13 minutes um, and it just it just never lets up the camera's constantly moving and it's beautifully shot um, just an awesome awesome film um, which 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 blew me away at the time very very clear hero uh, and um, very much like George Lucas apparently Miller went back to study kind of archetypes um, went back and studied westerns and um, old uh, Knights of the Round Table stories um, and Mad Max is a clear hero you know he and he he kind of I don't know he works for the underdog um, and he he it was it was instant appeal um, from around the globe so I I love Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior my parents would let me like watch First Blood First Blood Part 2 Commando Raw Deal, all those films. But you know, when I was a kid, they would not let me watch Mad Max movies. Was it the rape? I, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's some fucked up shit. No, there is. There's some other fucked up shit in all these other films, too. No, they're, they're, I mean, they're brutal movies. They're, they're really brutal movies. There's something, there's something very difficult. They're, they're sort of visceral, very different um, about the Mad Max films. I think it's they uh with the first one of course the the i think the the fame not the famous camera work but the thing that you i i associate with mad max is when you see it it's first person perspective that camera is mounted real low to the ground and you're moving really really fast and you just get that feeling that whoever gets taken out is just going to get dragged along that road and it's it's roadkill it, i don't know it's it's going to hurt and it and it hurts to watch that the, to watch that stuff you know the um and then if if you know if the car explodes or they get thrown to the ground they're they're cannibals you know they i mean that's book of eli style you know which is kind of where you know a lot of that stuff came came from it's post apocalyptic they're scavengers um and just mercilessly killing and and uh, raping and pillaging um all these people for petrol or fuel um essentially but mel is cool in this movie before he wasn't cool <laughs> it's a dog with a bad eye which is good i don't know the, just the world that that is created in those movies a worrying very worrying closeness between s- tiny skinny boys in pants and enormous wrestler looking guys in legion of doom shoulder pads there's a <laughs> there's a there's a weird relationship going on there <laughs> um, and demolition, there you go. We're going back. It's all it's all WWF, baby. Uh, <laughs> demolition style looking bosses with uh, with big leather masks. Epic style like narration voiceover through it. There's this guy going, you know, we we never knew who who he really was, but when we left, we were American and not from Australia. You know. <laughs> 
it's just a really cool movie. I, I love it. I, I can watch Mad Max 2. That car is it's super cool. So I can watch Mad Max 2 over and over. See, no one else watched Mad Max 2. <laughs> In all seriousness, I didn't get to watch, really get to watch Mad Max 2 until, until number 3 came out. And okay. uh, no, actually, I take that back. When number three finally came on HBO, my family let me watch watch the second one, and I, you know, I thought it was cool. And then by the time I watched the third one on HBO, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't understand because, like, I, I, I was so used to the way the first two movies operated. It was like Thunderdome slowed everything down. When they got to Thunderdome, everything slowed down. I mean, I, I understood its purpose, but I just, yeah, it was cool to see Tina Turner, and I, I love the song, and I think that I think that's why I never went back. Well, to watch what was the, the head off of that? What she do? Was that simply the best? No, no, no. We the, don't need another hero. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on now, son. Come on yeah. now. You know you know I that went song. with that. I can't believe I was like, no, no, no. No, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you need to be ashamed of yourself. How <laughs> awesome would so that funny. That yeah. song would have been crazy. He's just like, you're simply the best. Folks getting run oh. over. <laughs> Like waving at the camera as they <laughs> somebody's poor pride. <laughs> terrible. Didn't um that was the California Love video as well, wasn't it? With, yeah, uh, yeah, with California Love was a was yeah. a take on Mad Max, yes it was. Yeah, Mad Max three dips big time in the middle where it turns into it's not quite Lord of the Flies, it's more like the middle of Hook with Robin Williams. It <laughs> suddenly suddenly there's just scruffy, muddy children everywhere, uh wanting to to clean everybody, um, a male kind of wading through them, and you're like, surely you should have a really fast-moving car or a sword or a sawn-off shotgun at this point. No, I'm going to hang out with these kids and yeah, sleep a lot. It, it was bad, really bad. I am going to go with a film that was originally meant for Sylvester Stallone, but instead they uh, changed things up and it became a film for Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. <sighs> putting pen to paper. There we go. Scratch that. <laughs> um, a freewheeling Detroit cop pursuing a murder investigation finds himself dealing with the very different culture of Beverly Hills. Get it out of your system. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's done. Okay, but um, no, like once again, this is a movie. My parents took me to see. My my mom took me to the movie theater to go see Beverly Hills Cop. No, my parents took me to see it too. Okay, it's so you know here I am, like you know nine years old, and going to see Beverly Hills Cop. You know it was Eddie Murphy, Saturday Night Live. So hey. I, you know, I, you know, she's like, come on, you can go see it. And um, she took me to see it, and I just I loved it. Like, he goes to Beverly Hills, and he has to deal with these two, like, you know, these two bumble cops, one played by Judge Reinhold, and uh, the other played by, uh, was it uh, John Ashton as uh, Taggart? That's right, Taggart and Billy Rosewood. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the second and third one, number one has some really serious undertones to it. The bad guy is a bad guy. You know what I mean? He's a real, mm. he's a real badass, and because he's got a mole in the middle of his forehead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I worked at a grocery store. My manager had a mole in the middle of his forehead, just like that. You have to have a facial defect to be a super bad villain. We, Bond has te- taught us this. You know, it has to be a, a scar or a birthmark or something. Yeah. And and it also had the stereotypical angry police chief in Detroit. Uh, for. <laughs> yeah. 
Boy, that that is like the that is the template for angry police chiefs. That man. That Damn it, Foley! <laughs> I just remember watching the movie, and like in the beginning of the movie, they're setting up that sting with like the cigarette truck, and yes. and then the truck takes off, and like you know, it's Eddie Murphy stunt man, but he's holding on to like yeah. to, to, to the chain mail. Oh, oh. Damn, 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 <laughs> You know, with damn, our, damn, with, sorry. With the soundtrack also featuring songs by the Pointer Sisters with Neutron Dance. <laughs> you ain't forget. Don't act like you forgot. Don't. Y'all know y'all love some Pointer Sisters because if, if somebody started singing Jump for My Love right now, y'all will start grooving. Do not front. Don't not put that song in my head because I will sing it for the rest of this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. But it's bad enough my, in my mind, I'm still going, you're simply the best. <laughs> <laughs> on top, on top of a post-apocalyptic train, while there's much, you know, rape around. <laughs> but no, man, Eddie, Eddie Murphy is Axel is Axel Foley. You know yeah. this this movie this movie is great. And as a kid, I you know I really enjoyed Beverly Hills Cop two. But now that I'm I'm a little bit older, some things don't play off as well as opposed to the first one. I, I can watch the first one over and over and over again. There aren't any problems. And See, I can watch. I can watch the first two. The third one doesn't exist. No one. We, no, that's no, that's no, a we myth. We don't talk about the third one. We don't talk. About isn't there a microwave? There's a microwave in a gun, isn't there? In the no, 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 <laughs> it's no, no, no. It's a box rocket launcher. Yeah. <laughs> microwave, <laughs> machine gun. I just now, it, that tastes bad. Let's get back to the goodness. Let's go back to the good to the goodness. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people forget when Eddie Murphy or Axel, I'm sorry, when Axel did the banana in the tailpipe thing. Oh, the bananas man. he got from the banana man that was Damon Wayne. Damon Wayne's. That's right. You go yep. ahead and take those bananas. <laughs> <laughs> There's some yeah. great character work in that movie. In yeah. that film, There's the Bronson Pinchot is a, yeah, a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Serge. The, 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 yeah, I mean, the, it's the um, go ahead and take those bananas, which I will always, always remember. It's the, uh, it's the um, you've been hanging around with these dude too long. Uh, you ain't gonna fall and with the, <laughs> the the tailpipe gag uh, when he gate crashes the place and he's trying to get in to see him and he says, uh, "You tell him I've got hypersimplex tan." How people don't know that that line, I have no, I have no idea. And uh, yeah, you're you're right. You know the ah, well, ah. It's it's not sexy to scrub all that all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It is just it, it, incredibly good. I mean, and that was the stuff I I just lapped up. I, I love all those big big characters, and you remember that. I mean, that that little scene where Serge in, in, making it up with a little lemon twist is is tiny. That scene is what five minutes. Yes, it's, it's tiny, but it's so so memorable. And you've got a great kind of storming the bad guys stronghold at the end. So good, like like commando style. I'm running across a lawn and I'm hiding behind hedge style at the end. It, it, it's it's such a good film. I, I watched that so many. I mean, I had I recorded it from TV and incredibly edited for for language. Oh. So still to this to this day, when I'm watching it, I'm surprised and you know I'm expecting him to call him a pig face as opposed to anything else <laughs> when he's when he's insulting him. But yeah, it's it's just superb superb movie. And it, it's possibly also it's possibly the best film that Martin Brad has ever been a part of because um, Martin Bress was the director for Be- for Beverly Hills Cop and yeah he made Midnight Run in 88 with uh, with De Niro was that De Niro and uh, yep. and Groden I think yes. well, which is nah but and, he, and, and, and he also made he made <laughs> what? Cinema- what? <laughs> nah. yeah 
Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't a big fan of Midnight yeah. Run. I mean, because Midnight Run is a quote unquote buddy buddy action comedy, but I didn't really find it very entertaining. Maybe because I'm not a fan of Groden. I think that was probably the reason why. If they had put De Niro with anybody else, I think it'd have made for a better movie. But obviously, I, you've never seen his work in Beethoven. Uh, you know what, man? If you weren't my friend, <laughs> I would cut off this show right now. Bring up that bullshit. Beethoven. Man, even kids hated Beethoven, and they and they they kept making Beethoven movies. Man, that was some garbage. Everyone was just waiting for the dog to actually bring the audience brandy, just to get through. <laughs> but did you know Jerry Orbrecht? Law and Order. Law, yeah, he played. He was in Beverly Hills Cop. He played Beverly Palms Hotel employee, mm-hmm. uncredited. Yes. Yeah. Wow. The, wow. the power of the detailed IMDb tattoos that Donnie Salvo keeps on the inside of his forearm is, is incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. I am going to hit you up with a movie that started all of this man's delusions. Steven Seagal and Above the Law, 1988. <laughs> ponytail or no ponytail? Little ponytail. A oh, little bit. Because he, he was in the CIA, I think, or something. Or he thought he was. I can't remember because his real life is kind of like coming. No, yeah, he was a <laughs> Navy SEAL. He was a Navy SEAL, wasn't he? <laughs> oh lord! I, no he was a covert knows. agent trained in Vietnam. <laughs> he has a a master six degree black belt in Aikido, and a family in the mafia. He's a cop with an attitude. Uh, good old, and Nico. he can cook. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cop who believes no one is above the law in a world where a dick. <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> oh, do you know what? When we were talking about doing this, that that was like a thing of mine. I just thought, get Donnie to intro every movie, because you've got the you've got the. It was a time of heroes. You've got that. You've got that thing above the law. And Steven Seagal was Nico, Nico Tassani, <laughs> talking about. And who who was his partner? You remember his partner? Oh, Pam Grier's Dolores Jackson. Mm, you know that's right. She, you show you right. She, that's right. Night. That movie got. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Sharon Stone was his wife. Sarah. I mean, that was awesome. He was just breaking legs and arms and teeth and shit. Yeah. Well, that was one of the films. One one of the many films that were that were bringing quote unquote like street martial arts back to the movie theaters. Because if you really think about a lot of the action movies we've talked about, there ha- we haven't talked like about like a lot of martial arts stuff in this episode. Yeah, we talked about the Van Damme stuff in, in the previous in the previous eighties action movie stuff. And we had some Chuck Norris, but think about it. You hadn't had like a lot of martial arts dudes bring too much to the table um before Above the Law came out. Mm. It was always in ring, wasn't it? It was always in context with yes. the martial arts scene and then and then you get Seagal coming in with his um with his with his uh, tiny hand movements and and stealth and st- stealthy moves, I, I mean I, I know that this is completely breaking out of the eighties thing, but I'll always have that end scene from from Under Siege in my brain where they move two inches in that in that scene really really quickly, like like tiny bunny rabbits fighting with pens. It's <laughs> but um, above the law was called was called Nico in the UK. So when you said above the law, I was like, okay, maybe I missed that one. But no, yeah, it was called Nico over here. 
Um, I don't know whether something else managed to get that credit, but yeah, he was very smooth-skinned and and very young, and hadn't met Michael Caine at that point. And, he, um, <laughs> and remember that scene where he went into that bodega? He just beat the shit out of like four people, <laughs> threw them through windows, and the motherfucker dude just looked him up and he's like, "I just wanted Doritos." <laughs> <laughs> see, that's, see, first blood, first blood. It, it all goes back to first blood. Dude from Clerks was behind the counter. He's like, "I wasn't even supposed to work today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go in the bathroom. There's a girl in there. She's yeah. Uh, yeah. All goes back to clerks. Seagal, Seagal was that? Was that eighty nine? That was above the law. Was an eighty eight. Eighty eight. Because yeah, all most of his movies were very early nineties. Well, yeah, yeah. This was his very first. Like if you look at Hard to Kill hard to or kill. Marked for Death, Mason Storm yeah. is hard to kill. <laughs> Dude, that scene where he was in the elevator after waking up after a seven-year coma, dude, and he's fighting people in a hospital bed while he's rowing down the hallway. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote that. Fuck you. That that that's like the equivalent of the series of, of 24 where Jack has been in a Chinese prison for a year. And on his first day out, he hasn't spoken for a year. And they go, welcome back, Jack. Here's a bag. And now you, <laughs> and now you have to... For the next, tw- you know the deal because it's twenty-four. It, could you do all this? And you, oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone for a year, and I've been in pitch black, and I haven't spoken, and I've been tortured. But yes, we'll we'll carry on. But that, was it? On, was it on a gurney, or he was kind of <laughs> being stretched out, or? Oh. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was in his hospital bed, and they were coming for him. And I don't know. I don't even remember how he remembered they, that they were coming for him. And he opened up the elevator with a broom handle, and he's rowing himself down the hallway in a broom <laughs> handle, and he's fighting people. I don't want to talk about that anymore <laughs> until we do the next episode of this, because that will be on my list now. And I believe this was the movie where he found out that his mentor was the one that betrayed him. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you might be, bum, you might be right about that. And I also described every other '90s, '80, late '80s, early '90s action movie. But who came up with the story? Who? Andrew Davis and Steven Seagal. He went who from a bust the law to lawman. Wouldn't it always be that switch, that kind of switcheroo? It would be that double cross at the end where it was the the it was either the agent or the police chief or somebody that you trusted suddenly. At the end, there the baddie. It was that kind of switch up, and you have the um, no, not you. Look on the protagonist's face, just as he blows his stomach out with a shotgun. It's great. Yeah, because it was Harry Silva who played Kurt Zagon, <laughs> and Harry Silva is like one of the weirdest looking men ever. Yeah, he looked like he had like eight grand worth of plastic surgery done before it was actually fashionable. <laughs> Just his face is a, what I'm saying is his face is a hot mess. That's what I'm saying. Oh, speaking of plastic surgery, I saw Night and Day last night with Cameron Diaz. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the plastic surgery does not look good, man. Sorry, you, you just brought some very pink-faced memories to me from from my viewing of that movie last night. Sorry, <laughs> my wife. My wife said the same thing when she saw that movie because there's so many like close-ups and with, with the technology they were using, the cameras they were using. Yeah, you can really see like how how they've really aged that the cameras were not kind to uh, Cameron Diaz or Tom Cruise. I thought Tom, I, th- I thought Tom looked okay. He but you know he was sort of the the graceful thing but the pink pouches on the cheeks with with, with Cameron wasn't yeah, then you can't put her in a bikini. Anyway, so action. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
right then i'm i'm gonna stick with late 80s and for me as a kid because i saw this was one of the first films i saw at the cinema so i'm gonna show my not my youth but um i'm gonna show my uh drought of going to the cinema in the early years because for me this was an action movie but it, it isn't so it's borderline 1989 tom hanks turner and hooch here we go wow. i'm gonna explain <laughs> Click. The, <laughs> the dog stuff aside, there are shotguns in this film. There's a big drug heist in this movie. At the end, the police chief is the villain and does get shot quite severely. And also, halfway through, they're dealing drugs and they're hiding drugs in this kind of warehouse on a pier. And the kind of security guard, who's a very old dude who owns Hooch, hence how. Mr. Hanks ends up with the shoelace eating dog, happens upon the drug deal, and he goes, hey, you guys, get away from, you're not supposed to be in there. And then a knife-wielding assassin throws a knife at him so accurately that it enters the lung as opposed to any other organ. And Tom (laughs) Hanks points out that this is a professional job because any assassin would know that if he did that, his lung would fill with blood, thus making it impossible for him to scream. I'm about 11 years old, and I remember that to this day. (laughs) So... So, kids film, but it'll give you tips just in case you come up against an assailant that you want to keep quiet. Stab through the back with a biro. Make sure you hit the lung. They'll never make a noise. But Turner and Hooch, man. um, I I loved Turner and Hooch. All the, this is not your room aside. I saw it as a cop movie. There's a great shootout at the end, even though very sad as the dog drags his dead ass across the the floor. (laughs) And the emotional end, of course, happens. But there's a good shootout. There's a good action scene. Loads of slow-mo jumping with John Woo guns. Tom Hanks remembering to put his seatbelt on and wear his glasses as he rams the car into a wall, thus making the baddie smash through the front of the car. I thought it was a really, really good film. It's pure nostalgia for me, so... Turner and Hooch, I, I like it. Well, and there, oh, go ahead. No, there are pump action shotguns in it. Go. You get a pass from me because Craig T. Nelson's in it. Well, and Craig T. Nelson was the big bad, right? Yeah. And not only that, though, but it had Mr. Winslow from Family Matters playing a cop, as that he always poor, plays. That poor motherfucker, man. <laughs> hey, we need a cop. Go get Vel Johnson. Vel Johnson would do it. <laughs> Reginald Vel Johnson. Mr. Winslow. Hey, Reggie, you still got, that, you still got the costume? <laughs> Come on down, son. We need. Come on. You get a Craig D. Nelson was the angry police chief. You know, it was it was all true to form. It was all stuff that I wasn't used to seeing, and I saw it first there, and then I kind of went back and saw all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a framework going on here, so it was cool. And Jim Beaver played the plant manager. Why? You will know. You will know Jim Beaver from uh, from Supernatural. He's Bobby Singer. He's Bobby. I don't know if you watched Supernatural. I'm a Supernatural fan. Wasn't there also a Turner and Hooch TV series? I think there, there was. Sh- if there wasn't, there should have been. And if there is, I need, I need, I, somebody needs to send me that. Oh, hold on one second. I would like to see that. Hold, hold on one second. I, I will tell you if there was a Turner and Hooch uh, television Kind of like series. the Rambo cartoon that you sent me via YouTube, which has me now completely, you know, going through eBay and How and do Amazon. you make a Rambo cartoon? <laughs> the man suffered from post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's never over, children! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a Turner and Hooch. 
It was on in 1990, and Tom Wilson played Detective Scott Turner. That's about the most famous person I think that's been in this. Okay. I'm telling you though, Sean, you go back and you watch Turner and Hooch, and you look out for those 80s action traits. You're gonna you're gonna find it. An overweight police partner whose biggest bust is to is to crack the guy that's been stealing the BMX bikes from the local high school. You'll have a good time with it. You know, um, speaking of BMX bikes, you know, I almost put BMX bandits on my list. Oh. I came real close. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Any movie where anyone uses a skateboard is probably on my my list at some point. There's just too few occurrences. Why you laugh? Wow. I'm still on the Rambo cartoon. <laughs> hey, Drew it's Carl, how to, the animated series. Let's learn how to count, kids. One, two. <laughs> they spit on me! <laughs> uh, 65 episodes. Uh, six syndicated for 65 episodes. Rambo cartoon. No lie. Somebody will put it on DVD sometime. But uh, I just find it hard to listen to because I'm just picturing an animated Rambo. Donnie doing the line. Die! And then they cut for commercial break to uh, Cheerios. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or Lucky Charms. Or something like that. And then we're back. <laughs> I am going to go with Raiders James of- Avery was Turbo. <laughs> In the Rambo cartoon. Hey, man. James Avery. I, hey, man. Uncle Phil. Hey, Uncle Phil needed that money back then, too. What's what's a Turbo? But he was one. No, whatever. T- Turbo was the black dude. Because, uh, like, Rambo had, like, this team. <laughs> kind of like G.I. Joe, but instead of having, like, a roster of, like, 700 members, he, Rambo had, like, a team of, like, three people. So, and they fought these, like, neo-Nazis who essentially were neo-Nazis, but they didn't say they were neo-Nazis, but you could tell they were neo-Nazis. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. 65 episodes. I'm not lying. It exists. If you can find a lot of it on YouTube, it's, it's crazy. Is there an unreleased Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos crossover? There should be. And there it, should be. There, there should be. It, it would be 100% awesome. But um, I'm going to go with my next movie pick. James Avery, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... Stop it. <laughs> Pray silence. Uh, I, you know what? I wish I actually, honest to God, I I met him once. For real? Yeah, yeah. I ran into him. He's talking to. At a, he did a play in Connecticut. I was actually over by the playhouse, and he was outside with some guy talking about five thousand dollars suits. And I went in, and I didn't. I just walked right by him, and I went, "Hey, what's up, Uncle Phil?" And I went inside, <laughs> and I <laughs> I got tickets for my mom for some show that was coming up, and I came back out, and he's like, "Do you smoke?" Do you have a cigarette? And I'm just like, you're talking about buying $5,000 suits and you're just asking me for a cigarette. (laughs) What's wrong with you, Uncle Phil? (laughs) But he laughed when I called him Uncle Phil. Oh, he did? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he did. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, that, 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 that was my James Avery story. Oh, we haven't haven't built up Sean's pick at all, have we? No. no. (laughs) Pause for these messages. (laughs) Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the film. Very good. The the film, I mean, because like, look, and we all know. Even if I didn't mention this film, we all know that that film is on everybody's list as far as eighties action films go. I, I wanted to talk about it because once again, this is a movie when it came out. I was let's see, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in eighty. I was five years old, and this is like that 
classic type of storytelling as far as like doing action and things of that nature go comparing to the films of like the the 50s and the 60s and stuff like that but it's brought a little bit up to date the opening sequence where he grabs the skull on like that big rock is chasing him and he's like running as a kid that just blew my mind because i'd never seen anything like that before ever in like how he hates snakes and he's being chased by the natives as he's trying to hop you know hop and get toward the plane that opening sequence alone could have been the whole movie then we get the rest of the film which is just full of excitement and action you know i mean how many people how if you talk about indiana jones to somebody what's the one of the first things a lot of people talk about is when like the um, one of the assassins with the big sword is swinging it left and right and, and indiana jones just shoots him because <laughs> that's the kind of character you know, indiana jones was he just got straight to the point sometimes when it came to dealing with women or sometimes kids he may not be able to articulate as well he was just that action. He's, he's he smokes a lot of weed yeah, <laughs> I always thought he had it in him to hit a woman as well. I don't know why. <laughs> I, wow! I, you know, you know, he 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 just he, because maybe it's the hairy chest thing, and I associate that with you know with Sean Connery was always the bomb that could just I did that because you deserved it, and then move on. And I always just saw Harrison Ford as maybe if the camera just panned to the left, you know, when Willie was really running her mouth, when she was really going off on one in Temple of Doom. I think he had the potential there, but I don't know. <laughs> it was a family film. <laughs> no, shoot. No, that was the film that made um, the MPAA uh, in, uh, Institute a PG-13 rating. Cover your heart. Cover your heart. I'm a I'm a Oh, mom, shut up. No, no, oh, that's, the, that's, the sec, that's the second one, which in, oh, I know. <laughs> which, which in actuality is actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark because technically the order is Temple of Doom, Raiders, and then uh, The Last Crusade. Oh, you can't give Highlander a pass now? No, no because all those, <laughs> all those other films, Highlander films are terrible. And, and, you, oh, and you know this. You, yes, you, I do. You I'm not, this. no idea why. Okay. <laughs> but, but no, there's just so many, there's so many cool things. I mean, like the villains and like the fights. When he's fighting like that... Uh, uh, that big mercenary, and then near that plane, and the guy gets chopped up by the blades. It, it, I mean, there's just oh, the 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 big Nazi dude. Yeah, mm. yeah, man. You know, th- that's, that's some serious stuff, man. I mean, and think about how many filmmakers have like bit or took something from Raiders of the Lost Ark, a film that almost had Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. That would have been a whole different world. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have been one film as well. I don't think it would have gone on. Do you, could you really see it being a franchise? No, if, but see, I think sometimes it has to do more with your director. I mean, that was Spielberg. You, you know, so you know, sp- <laughs> you know, and that was during a period of time, man. Spielberg could do no wrong, man. He could put anybody in front of a camera and, and, and make money. Come on, man. E.T. He put like a milk dud out in front of the screen and they made millions. Mm. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, starring Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. <laughs> and the Magnum P.I. music starts playing while he's running. And, after the run. and Higgins is Marion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, my, my thoughts may have not have uh, come out very fluently on this film, but it's honestly one of my favorite action adventure movies of all time it's true like but it's, it's a truly influential movie isn't it? it as a kid it's going to be star wars in that era and it's going to be the indiana jones movies and they captured that same spirit because they both come from lucas's brain and that spirit of storytelling and and fun as well as intrigue and mystery and action and and swashbuckling it's cool yeah. it's good, it's and, good tw- and 20th century fox passed on raiders of the lost ark so, uh, so he took it over to Paramount, and Paramount just smiled. And think about it. I mean, if, there, if there's not a Raiders of the Lost Ark, you don't get like films like Romancing the Stone. 
You don't. That film like that would, would never have seen the light of day without movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Dr. Octopus was in it. Oh, Alfred Molina, that's right. He had a bit role in the, yeah. uh, the opening yeah. sequence of Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sapito. Yeah. He, has a, he has many spiders on him. Mm-hmm. Or does he have the one? He has, no, he has lots of spiders, doesn't he? He gets dusted off with the whip, um, and, then, uh, and then he dies. Yay! Throw uh. me the idol, Dr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no, Indiana, Indiana Jones is, is one of those ones I came to quite late. I was definitely more Star Wars-centric as a kid. And in fact, the first Indiana Jones movie I saw was Last Crusade. I saw Last Crusade first. We named uh, a dog is, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> if I ever asked you to brush your teeth, <laughs> uh, it's it's the scene on the balloon where he's pissing and moaning and saying, well, you, "Oh, you were never there for me. We didn't talk. Well, I'm here now. What do you want to talk about?" And he goes, <laughs> "I can't think of anything." Well, you big fucking bastard. Let's just you know, <laughs> let's carry on. As the I I love that. I like, is it, when when did that come out? Was that like ninety two or something? It was. 80, I mean, it's a nineties movie. Yes, it's in. Last Crusade was in 89? Yes. The motorcycle chase with the sidecar. Oh, so good. And then, and then, and then with the seagulls in the, in the umbrella, he's like, caw, caw, caw. <laughs> <laughs> And that's yep, how that comes about. Yes. I can so talk about that movie now. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, 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 two things, the two things that Raiders and this have in common, of course, so Raiders and Last Crusade have in common. Who did the, like, the visual? Of, was it Industrial Light and Magic? Yes. Yes, they stuff? did. And was Stan Winston involved in the movie? Because the, cre- the, the, uh, the facial deterioration stuff in both Raiders and, of course, in Last Crusade. That's freak. I mean, as a kid, that, that was the scene where your, your mum would either cover your eyes or ask you to leave the room, or you would just, I, I might just see the eyeball trickle down his face this time. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was hardcore, man. No, that was there, the, there was no, uh, there, no Stan Winston to be seen. In, uh, but it has that feel, you know? Yeah, the, That definitely. kind of puppetry. It's, it's not CG. It's like stop motion and the way that the, the face goes down. That was hardcore. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, oh, no doubt. <laughs> I saw that. And then, of course, in Last Crusade, when he, he's choosing the chalice and he picks up the gold one, and, and uh, this is the cup of a king, and the old dude goes, <laughs> lets him drink from it, and uh, he chose unwisely. <laughs> I love that. Now that's you the cup of wisely. a carpenter. Yes. <laughs> that's the cup of a carpenter. Great movies. But do you see the second one as more, not adult, but grown up? And I mean, the voodoo stuff is pretty full on in, in Temple of Doom. But when you have evil Indy with no shirt and uh, lit red from below to make him look super evil, mm-hmm. stubbled, stubbled Indy to make him really bad. As a kid, I didn't care much for the second film. As I got older, I have a better appreciation of it, but it's still okay. You, you know what short I mean? Round. Yeah, short, short round. Short round. <laughs> No, the one scene, the one scene I love most in Temple of Doom is when finally, like, Indiana's back and the, and the voodoo doll's been pushed away. And, like, on the lower level, you see Indiana, Indiana Jones just clocking this dude. And up, and up top, you see Short Round clocking that, um, that yeah. prince or princess or whatever the fuck it was. Just the like, both like yeah. they're, like, just He's clocking just, them at the same time. That one shit out of that little kid. Yeah. yeah. We are very sorry. We speak like this. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Goonies aside, in this movie, he has some crack in it. We going for a ride, lady. That, that's uh, that's fantastic. But Willie is relatively annoying. The oh my god, oh my god, oh my 
Spielberg? No. Well, because you couldn't have that. She was going out with Spielberg at the time. Oh, was she? Yeah. Yeah, she's married to him now. Well done, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear to God, man. If I was Indy, she would have never made it. I would I would have thrown her out of that plane as soon as they escaped. I, you know, in the the big nightclub scene, and they got mm-hmm. into the plane, and Dan Aykroyd made that little cameo, and, and then I would have just like as soon as we, she was, and she's beep 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 beep, 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 beep goodbye. <laughs> I would have let the plane crash. Me and Short Round would have been in the raft floating down the. <laughs> Watch that scene again, dude, because it looks like it, it looks like a raft on strings just floating down. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then they conveniently land in a river that leads them to a small Indian village where they need Indiana Jones's help. Welcome to Shivalinga. This is uh <laughs> Yeah, Ben Kingsley stood there going, Would you like to come to Shivalinga? <laughs> and I I won an Oscar for this shit. <laughs> it would be it would be quite funny if it was Ben Kingsley from Sexy Beast welcoming them over to Shivalinga. <laughs> I'm not gonna do the lines because I know it's an explicit tag, but that would be bad. That would be quite bad. But no, well done. I don't know whether I would have got sick of her on the plane, or even just during the far. The, could maybe you could have got rid of her during the first dance sequence? You know, the bam, 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 kicked her out, and then the conversations between her, him, and Short Round could have been almost Kevin Smith-like for the rest of the movie. Some real male bonding scenes, you know, mm. talking about the birds and the bees without Willie there messing things up. <laughs> Good movies. going to give Stallone some more loving with Cobra. That was on the list. Let me take it. <laughs> Alright, go, go for it, player. Go for it. Just the beginning scene where he's in the grocery store. Do you need to watch any more? No. You and don't. that's when his wife was hot. <laughs> and he's uh, like, you, you can't go outside looking for you. She's like, I'm going to get outside anyway. And I don't know why I made her British. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going outside. It's lovely. It's a lovely evening. <laughs> I'm going on a walkabout. And an extra in the movie was the one and only Ron Jeremy. Those tattoos are really coming in handy this evening. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. <sighs> and, and again, another another great movie poster. It's it's the Terminator movie poster. But right, with, exactly. Yeah. And he brought back the mirrored sunglasses. Sure did. And he had Baby that cool oops. car, too. Yeah. And he had the laser sighting on the wrong side of his gun. <laughs> supposed to be on the bottom, Sly. That's supposed to be on the top. <laughs> But you don't care. That, you know that? That's how badass you are. And he had a grenade in his pocket. Look at the movie poster. He's got a grenade in his pocket. Side pocket. <laughs> he got a grenade sticking out. Like I'm ready. For- and, and he got a six shooter in his pants. He's a city the cop. Handle just hanging out. How does a city cop get a grenade? <laughs> <laughs> but see, it, this is this is goes back to the tooling up. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the equivalent of um of a well-spoken gentleman getting ready for the evening, putting on the suit and popping a, a handkerchief in his top left-hand pocket, whereas Stallone pops a wee grenade in there, <laughs> ready, for, ready for an evening out on the town with a six-shooter in his pants. Uh, and does, does he rock the toothpick in this movie? Somebody yeah. has a toothpick. Yeah, he has he a does. toothpick. Yeah, yeah. He, does. he does have a toothpick, yeah. Remember he was in the grocery store, man, the people were taking over and people were shooting his shit, and he just stops in the middle of trying to save the whole grocery store mm-hmm. and just opens up a six-pack of beer and just starts <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Marion Cobra Cabretti. 
<laughs> well, I forgot, man. I forgot. That's Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cubretti to you. <laughs> and Bridget Nielsen plays Ingrid. Uh, <laughs> of course she does. She plays Ingrid in every movie. I'm Ingrid. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, this was also during that period of time where we got into that phase where the criminals were normally serial killers. Because we had a slew of movies like in the mid to late 80s and even early 90s where the killer, like your bad guy was a serial killer. I just got to tell you, Night Slasher was the name of the bad guy, mm-hmm. played by Sho Khan from Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Brian <laughs> Thompson. <laughs> did I just bring this show to a streaking halt? You or? sure did, sir. Well, anytime <laughs> Mortal Kombat's been brought up, it just suddenly goes, ah. Because we, we did all the Mortal Kombat chat before we started. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship. Big box, little box, cardboard box, big box. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude! No wonder he looked away and acted the way he did. His mom named him Marion. Yes. <laughs> Come on, dude. I'd be shooting people too. <laughs> Might as well name him Moesha. <laughs> you know Stallone co-wrote the screenplay for, for Cobra, right? Well, he wrote the screenplay. It was, it was uh, Paula Gosling's novel, A Fair Game. And he just took that novel and he just injected steroids and testosterone into it. <laughs> and it became... Because I think, actually, in the book, Marion was a woman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it was Marion Cunningham. Oh. And then <laughs> her and Fonzie went on adventures. <laughs> These are happy days. Yes, they are. We got to do RoboCop. For me, Paul Weller is so much more famous than Peter Weller, so I, I always get the two confused. You know, the lead singer of the Jam and the guy who wears the suit. But um, <laughs> rather than going underground, he uh, he just <laughs> he walks around in in very cool armor, and his leg opens up, and a gun comes out, and his stances are really super cool, and he has moments where he remembers walking through his um his house as if he's a serial killer in that first person perspective. <laughs> kind of way <laughs> where he gets the flashbacks and you think he's going to knife his wife for some reason but it's so cool Ed, you've got Ed 209 and a few seconds to comply and people getting blown up and people being dipped in acid making them palpable soft and splattable so that <laughs> cars can explode them and we killed you we turning killed people you. into paste and it was <laughs> We killed you. We'll give the man a hand. It's very dark. It's a really, really dark movie. If any movie deserved an R rating, it was it was Robocop. And now there's this extreme version that came out a few years ago where you've got a few seconds to comply where he gets shot across that little in, in the office, you know, when the guy gets shot in the office in the boardroom meeting. Right. And he just doesn't stop. It's just just keeps on blowing things. And that's the kind of stuff where you would go to school and say, Oh, do you remember the bit with and those are the moments that you remember, the bits in of where you talk to your friends and best kill, I suppose. This movie goes back to other movies we were talking about with people that were in it. Kurt Woodsmith. Kurt Woodsmith. <laughs> Come and get me, RoboCop, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and Rod, 
Ronnie Cox. Yep, because Ronnie Cox was the police chief in um, in a Beverly Hills Cop. Police Academy. You should be ashamed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and even the sound effects go back to Police Academy. There you go. <laughs> That's because what's his name did do the sound effects for RoboCop. <laughs> Stop it. Can I tell you a quick Michael Winslow story? When they said he came to your hey, school. Hey, Don- <laughs> hey, Donna, you want to open up for Michael Winslow? And I said, who? Oh, no, you didn't. I did, and then I found out who he was, and I was like, oh, you already got somebody to do it. Can you def- oh. uh, first of all, define opening up. I d- what? what? <laughs> they could be misconstrued. I'm assuming the support act. Yes. Good. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to share all of your innermost secrets. You should really open up to Michael Winslow. <laughs> well, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mum never hugged me as tight as I'd like. I know. <laughs> keep going, Danny. Keep going. Keep going. This is good. My dad never bought me that comic I wanted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kurt. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Uh, Robocop. <laughs> no. The one thing about Robocop, not only is it an action film, not only is it you know action sci-fi, but there's a lot of satire built into that film. And I think that's what, one, of the main, one of the main reasons it makes it work so well, because it also... You know, it satirizes the human life and and how you know how se- how serious or or not so serious or not so serious we take human life in itself. The thing I think that used to get me the most about watching RoboCop was the stop motion animation for ED two hundred nine, and how sometimes <laughs> it seemed out of place with the rest of the movie. But it was cute. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But at the, but at, but it worked. It really worked within the film. At the same time, I mean, if you. Because we, we were supposed to get a RoboCop remake a couple of years ago, uh, I think directed by uh, Darren Andronovsky, but it fell apart. And I wondered what ED209 would look like today. I know it would probably be super CG and real clean, but there was something about the like the overall rough feel of how they put ED209 on screen, I think, benefited RoboCop. And all the work behind the scenes for um, Peter Weller to learn how to play RoboCop, I mean, like the dude studied with a mime for a while. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So, it's some pretty heavy stuff. There's a lot of work put behind RoboCop. And once again, this is a film my mom and I went to go see, went to go see it. She, oh. wanted, she, she wanted to go see RoboCop. She couldn't find nobody else. I was like, come on, mom, I'll go with you. I don't talk about the sequels. I don't talk about the TV series or the TV Kane. films. <laughs> see? And, and even the cartoon series. Um, I remember the cartoon series. That was just insane. And it even had a Marvel comic. This is awesome that all these 1980s like ultraviolet movies spawn children's cartoons. Yes. <laughs> but it's the equivalent of what you were talking about a couple of episodes back with Terminator Salvation having action figures. Where does where's the source material and where do these kids go? There is a Rambo cartoon. I must watch First Blood. Not that they speak, <laughs> not that, not that they speak in that way. I'm sure. <laughs> Mother. Mother. <laughs> I approach you with this thing on the telebox. There's an animated show. Show me the... Uh... Mom, I was watching First Blood, and Brian Dennehy's a dick. <laughs> and he came to my school. Uh, <laughs> and he was a dick to me. <laughs> but Nancy Allen was in this movie, or as I like to... When I was a kid, I used to call her, Hey, isn't that the girl from The Exorcist? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And she's not. <laughs> she gets shot. She gets shot quite a bit. That's Not good. enough to stop her from making RoboCop 2, 3, and Poltergeist 3. 
Mm. Well, yeah. Well, there was a, there was a reason why Joe Beth Williams left Poetry Guy. She was like, you know, there's a lot of freaky shit that's happened on this set, and I need to bounce. I'm not doing this no more. And Nancy was like, how much you gonna pay? Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. It, I dude, you know it's bad. You know it's bad when when uh, when Joe Beth Williams and Coach leave and they bring in Tom Skerritt. Oh, Tom Skerritt. Yeah, that's because they were like, "Fuck it, Tom Skerritt's already dead." <laughs> See, stop, <laughs> stop. It. He's gonna come through the TV at the end of the movie. <laughs> There's there is so so much jacked up stuff that went on uh, behind the scenes with Poultry Guys. Man, there was a special, there was a, some type of television special about it, some type of documentary, and I think there's a couple of books about it. Dude, I mean, really, really messed up stuff. So I don't even, I don't even mess with them movies, man. I, I don't. Those uh. films are just fucked up beyond all recognition. Possibly one of the most has one of the most action-packed sequences. The last twenty minutes of the film, Blues Brothers. Oh, I know a lot of people. When you say action films, you don't really think about the Blues Brothers. But go back, and I, I challenge anyone to go back and watch Blues Brothers. And amidst all the music, music numbers, amidst all the comedy, and you know overall greatness that is the Blues Brothers, there is a lot of action, a lot of car chases, and a lot of destruction oh. in that movie. I love this film. And We're on a mission from Gad. <laughs> no, you can't have your two whole fried chickens. No, you can't have your whole loaf of dry white toast. And you can't have Mad Dog Murphy. So <laughs> we got to get the band back together. Do you see oh. the light? <laughs> the band. The band. Yo, it's, oh. it's, yes, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, that's just a comedy. That's not an action film. And I'll, I'll, I'll disagree. I see it more. No, I'll more give of you action, that. I see yeah, set pieces, man. I mean, that's, that's action. Didn't somebody die during that film? Was it, is it a helicopter crash or something? Something happened during the making of the movie where they still hold the director accountable. Like no, other, you're, it was thinking like, about, you're thinking about the Twilight Zone movie. Where, oh, okay, um, yeah. You're thinking about the Twilight Zone movie where, uh, oh, what's his name? Awful uh, similar. Is it Ramis? No, 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 Landis. See, the thing is, Landis wasn't. Landis directed Blues Brothers, but Landis directed that sequence in the Twilight Zone movie that you're yes. thinking about. And there, there's a connection. I knew it. See, and, Vic, Donnie, and, you should have stepped in with your tattoo and corrected me. And he, you're thinking about Vic Morrow. That's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about Vic Morrow that died there. on the set of the Twilight Zone movie. But um, there you go. But no, um, they'll never get caught. Because as far as the Blues Brothers go, they'll never get caught because they're on a mission from God. So. Mm. Kind of car chases. That was a. I mean, those were those were some serious pileups. And 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 you're absolutely right. What would what would they do with that nowadays? CG. Yeah. How many cars did they destroy? <laughs> there was, How many? We need to, we need some more cars. Yeah. There was no there was no CG in this film. You had Carrie, you had Carrie Fisher as the ex girlfriend uh, of Jake uh, with the uh, semi automatic machine gun. The checks in the mail. <laughs> and and the rocket launcher. I forgot about the rocket launcher where they blew up the apartment yeah. or the hotel room. <laughs> I ran out of gas. <laughs> Checks in the mail. I swear to God. All right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful film. Well, one of one of my definite it, favorites. You got John Candy was in that. Mm. You pre, like you said, Princess Princess Leia, Shaka. Yep. Shaka. Uh, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Aretha Franklin. Let me rock a Shaka Khan. <laughs> and Paul Rubens. Ha! Ah, I was a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you, and you know, you know, at the end of the movie, when when um, when the Blues Brothers are going to the uh, county assessor's office, Sp- Steven Spielberg is the office clerk. It's one of t- two movies he was ever in. Oh, hey, your homeboy James Avery has an uncredited role as a man dancing outside a Ray's shop. That was a very, very, very subtle segue there, which was I don't know what the second film is that Steven Spielberg is in, but I'll segue to James Avery. <laughs> I, <laughs> I so Mr. T was guy on the street. Uncredited, yes. I need, I need to know the second movie. What's the second movie? I'm on movie? the street, fool. I've been on the street, fool. Will you tell, will you tell Matt what the other Spielberg going, movie Spielberg? Oh, it was, um, or it might have been, was it Goldmember? Yeah, it was Goldmember. It was member. an Austin Powers. Gold, yeah, it was Goldmember. Yeah. Yes. Because Tom Cruise, in the beginning, Tom Cruise was Austin Powers. Yeah, uh, right, right. Spacey was uh, Dr. Evil, and Danny DeVito was Mini-Me. Yes. There you go. I'm, I'm able to sleep now, okay. which is good. So, for those that have never seen the Blues Brothers, it is, I think, everything you would ever need in a film. If you have that person that loves musicals, well, it's got it's got some great music, some great music segments. If you like action, it's got plenty of that. You like comedy, it's got plenty of that too. Besides Ghostbusters, um, it's the one of the best movies Dan Aykroyd's ever been a part of. So, please, you get a moment, go watch Blues Brothers. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. I mean, that's it's just great. Before we close out the show, I know there are a number of people probably screaming at their MP3 players, iPods, or computers at the number of movies we didn't talk about. It would literally take us ages to like talk about every single 80s action movie we've ever seen. But we have honorable mentions, uh, like, you know, Show Kazugi, uh, Revenge of the Ninja. Uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't forget Show Kazugi because he was a part of my life. Um, can, you know, Cannonball Run, come on now. Everybody saw oh. Cannonball Run in the 80s. Everybody. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Captain, Captain Chaos. <laughs> yes. We even had some, we had some Bond movies in the 80s. Like the best one was probably Octopussy because we don't want to talk about A View to a Kill. No. Um, but the, the, the best mention of the film title in, in a movie ever because they're at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I think it's the top of the Eiffel Tower at the beginning. And, um, and she says, hey, what a lovely view. And he says, yes. And it's a view to a kill. <laughs> yeah. oh. About, you know, like Flash Gordon or Escape from New York. And the one film... Flying was, blind on a rocket cycle? <laughs> the one film... Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> the one film... And then we, James okay. Bond was dressed up like Robin Hood and he made him stick his hand in a tree trunk full of cello. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop drinking when you do this. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we we didn't talk about Terminator, which which is on every, you know, which is essentially on everybody's list. Do you know um, what? Do you know what? So I I brought that. Up. I I said that we were doing this, and and I think probably I described. I, I mentioned this at work, and I probably said I probably said it was cheesy action movies, and I can't. I kind of I tried to make an effort to choose things that there would there's fun to be had with those movies. Yeah, Terminator is a serious movie. Oh, it's extremely and, serious. And it's it's quite difficult to look at it in that kind of light. It's um it's a serious movie. Oh, very serious. Raw deal, Running Man. We didn't talk about the film where Apollo Creed died. 48 hours. He dies. He dies. <laughs> Uh, Action Jackson. Action Jackson, yes. Oh, you know that's right. Yes. Vanity. (laughs) Um, 
like one of my favorite westerns from the eighties, a Clint Eastwood and Pale Rider, Clash of the Titans. Hey, dude, <gasps> wait, wait, wait. What about Young Guns? Was that the nineties or the eighties? Um, I think Ooh. Young Guns was like the first one. I think was possibly the eighties. Hold on one second. I will. I will verify. Uh, and what about just, Escape from New York? Yeah, Escape from New York's on my list too, along also with Outland with the Sean Connery. <gasps> the Conan yes. movies? Yes, the Conan movies, yes. We didn't and do we didn't do oh. Red Heat. Red Heat, uh, oh yeah, true. Oh, Best yeah. Russian sauna sequence of all time. Um what was um, what was the one? Uh, Red Dawn. We didn't do Roadhouse. Was that eighty? <laughs> Roadhouse. 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 Um Young Guns was an eighty eight. <laughs> I, I don't care what you say, man. Sam Elliott was—he was awesome in Roadhouse. He just stood there, all like homeless looking, and he was like, "Patrick Swayze is like, you're right." Roadhouse was in. We didn't. Roadhouse was. Is it ninety? Nineteen eighty-nine. Oh, snuck it in. You want to know what the tagline for Roadhouse was? The tagline is "The dancing's over. Now it gets dirty." That's that's the tagline. I swear. That's hot. Nobody puts that. nobody puts kung fu in a corner. <laughs> I, I, and Roadhouse. we didn't do we didn't do Lewis Gossett Jr. in the movie where they didn't have the budget to be Top Gun. Iron, Iron Eagle, Eagle. one through seventy five. Yes. Wow. Iron How Eagle about five? I'm going to do the announcer guy and tell me if you can guess which movie is it. In a world where there's swords and sorcery, your stars. Or a midget in a skinny Val Kilmer. <laughs> Willow. Yep. Uh, I thought you were going. I, see, see, I thought you were going Beastmaster, man. <laughs> no. Oh, Mark. See, I don't know. Sean got a thing against Mark Singer. Mark man. Singer is not allowed on this show, sir. Okay, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Mark Singer was a Beastmaster with the father from Good Times. <laughs> Leave John Amos alone. <laughs> I, I like John Amos. John Amos plays a gay guy now. On um, two and a half men, <laughs> and and his boyfriend is Mike, Mike Hammer, Stacy Keach. That's right. I ain't making that up. I know you ain't making that up for that. We show. did, and we didn't do American Ninja. We didn't do was oh, some, American Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> was um was Cyborg in the eighties or the nineties? I think that was early nineties. I think Cyborg was early nineties. I think. Yeah. I'll look it up right now. Oh, thank you very much. Are you look at you. All he's doing is rolling up his sleeve. <laughs> this one's on my. It's oh, uh, oh, actually, it is 1989. <gasps> wow. Yes, the best use of doing the splits between two posts ever. From a distance, <laughs> the baddies walk towards him, not looking up at the enormous butt of the man that's above him, and then he swings down with a sword and cuts them in half. Fantastic. He was Gibson Nick. Nick. Rickenbacker. Gibson Rickenbacker. Everyone at home is checking their iPods because they think the Skype just cut out, but that's actually his name. <laughs> Rickenbacker. Oh, 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 oh. is Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> Attorney at law. <laughs> you do this professionally. It's, it's, it, yeah. it was a time of heroes. You, you could do this. The Running Man. We didn't do The Running yeah, Man. We didn't, no, no, we did not do Running Man. No, no, we didn't. I'll be back. No. Only in the reruns, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Dawson, dude. Yeah. Come a, on. Richard Dawson as the big bad. Yeah. Also had Jim Brown in it, too. <laughs> Top five answers on the board? <laughs> Yafet Koto. <laughs> <laughs> who, who decided it was a good idea to put Yafet Koto on a tracksuit? <sighs> who really thought that was a good idea? Hey, let's give him a one piece. Let's go. Oh my yeah, Jesse Body Ventura was in that, too. He hasn't got time to bleed in any movie. Dweezil Zappa was in that, dude. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. 
What did they just scoop the bottom of the fucking Hollywood barrel? It was like, okay, who didn't we pay this year? Okay. Before we go, Matt, I know we know that you're part of the Matinee Idols podcast, but um, there's also another podcast that you do called Burton's World. Will you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Burton's, uh, Burton's World, I guess, kind of started life on YouTube. Um, so I, I, I used to do, it's literally like 10 minute video. I don't like the word vlog for some reason, kind of Bragelina sticking two words together. Um, so it was just like a... It was literally just ten minutes of me just talking into the camera and telling a couple of a couple of stories of of what kind of happens in my life day to day. But it, really, it was just kind of ten minutes of stand up, basically. And usually around my job, I, I work in in real estate. I work in a estate agency in the UK, and and I just meet the most bizarre people, which makes my life more interesting. And and I think the whole the whole point of it initially was, do you know what? It makes me laugh and it makes my colleagues laugh when I tell these stories. So I just thought I'd put them out there. And they be- seemed to become quite quite popular. But I did like 45 episodes of it and I had a ton of fun doing it and got loads of really, so much support and good and you know good responses from it. But it just didn't give me the freedom, I think, that I, that I wanted. And and, uh, and Joey from Matinee Idols kindly said, well, you should do a podcast. Do, do you know, even if it's like half an hour, do a podcast. So he offered to edit them and, you know, put me, add music to them and, so thank you Joey and put them in in podcast form and we we've done I think five so far we've had sort of emails in and, and I've started requesting people please send in your stories if you've queued up for a McDonald's and someone's given you something that looks like you've opened it up and for some reason the chicken sandwich is in the shape of a map of Australia um, <laughs> and something strange has happened to you it's just an affectionate look at the funny stuff that makes life more fun and and i think that's the whole point of it it's just supposed to be fun if you liked the devil in me um scotty young's podcast if you like smodcast um if you like stand-up i guess it's just a ton of fun we, yeah we've done five episodes so far episode five david price from 11 o'clock comics um was kind enough to come on and we did a, a kind of a uk versus us comparison episode we just want to have fun with it simon a friend of mine that i've met through the 11 o'clock comics board um and before i forget Really, the guys at 11, 11 O'Clock Comics are kind of the reason that this is all happening. Probably about two years ago, I started calling that show and leaving voicemails, and, and it started off with sort of just talking about comics, and then I just, I don't know, any craziness that was comic-related that I could turn into a kind of a comedy skit or change a movie or, or do something, I would just phone that show, and Vince B was kind enough to just let me play and gave me that little audio place to, to play and give me some space. If it wasn't for that show, I just wouldn't I wouldn't be doing any of this, and I wouldn't have caught the bug. But yeah, I met Simon Price, is uh, a guy from the UK through the 11 o'clock comics board, and he's an artist, and he's got his own website, which is simonpriceart.blogspot.com, and he kindly does a sketch for every episode. So for every episode of Burden's World, it'll be a mashup of things. I'll cover all kinds of subjects, and usually it drifts into pop culture and movies and all kinds of stuff. 
and Simon will listen to the episode and then he'll do a sketch representing the entire episode and he'll focus in on the most bizarre little details um, and sometimes I'll look at those sketches and think I didn't talk about this and then I'll listen back and suddenly he's found fun in, in the smallest of things and he'll do these amazing sketches so if you want to check those out um, go to simonpriceart.blogspot.com but you can find me um, you can find Burden's World anyway at burdensworld.blogspot.com and at the moment I'm, I'm really keen on you know getting loads of people emailing and just telling me your your stories your humorous stories you know I want a, a really interactive atmosphere with the show so if you have any stories and, and you listen to the show and you like it um, thank you first of all but you know if you do want to email in with, with your stories and, and funny stuff it's burdensworldpodcast at googlemail.com and I'll, I'll read them out on the show but yeah if, if you could check us out that would be really really good so it's, it's Burdens World we're, I'm all, we're all over iTunes and um, our website's up and running so yeah that's, that's Burdens World now, now now as we all know Donnie um, not only being a, a co-host on the uh, PKD Black Box and also uh, doing Tales from the Attic, uh, the very successful Tales from the Attic. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback from that show. And also he does his thing on the Reality Wasted podcast as well, but this man puts in work like nobody's business. He also has a new podcast coming out with uh, fellow podcaster Daryl Taylor. Uh, can you tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about this new podcast? Yeah, it's called Nothing's On. And it's about, see, Daryl and I realized that we watch a lot of ungodly hours of television. So we decided to, we watch a lot of the same shows. And so we decided to do a podcast about it. I'm editing the podcast, so uh, I don't know if that's ever going to come out. But because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning how, because Daryl will just be like, I'm recording now. Send it over to Joey. <laughs> well, I even said it in the episode. I was like, fuck this. I'm sending it to Sean. You got nothing to do. You got five minutes on a Tuesday. Edit this. Shit. <laughs> oh, man. But our first episode is all about the fall schedule. So I'm under, I'm under I have to get it out by uh, like September 20th at the absolute latest. And it's going to come out through like the No Apologies feed. Oh, cool. And things of that nature. You can find it there. <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you again for being part of this 80s, uh, 80s action films extravaganza fun fest explosion whatever the fuck it is we call this episode volume five volume ever five, ever <laughs> and no no in all seriousness thank you guys for being on the show um had a wonderful time as always and we will get back together sometime in the future and we will do another uh, another episode so uh and it, we need to take it, on another decade we need to do the 90s we may have to do that or we may just you know spend spend some time talking about one certain movie in particular and uh and do something of that nature but no seriously guys thank you for coming on my pleasure from here i had a while of time so thanks And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steel Bots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. I crossed off half the stuff you guys talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was so hoping for Commando, and you took it away from me. 
Oh no that oh. that was that was a requirement because like either Matt and I we just kept going it's like okay who's going to mention it first and then Matt just uh. said, <laughs> Matt just said go ahead. So I just yeah. wanted to say let out some steam, Bennett. That's you it. did that. The whole reason I wanted to do that. That's it. And you took it away from me. I don't have much in life. Uh, all right. So, it's all sorry, dude. Oh, sorry, do you know man. what? There was there was some there was some bits on Commando that I there's two bits, and I'm sure that I know one of the movies you're going to talk about, Donny, and I, I I've got something that I I can sort of flick back to Commando on. But Jeff Loeb wrote that thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even. I, I kind of went. I went back on um, on IMDb and Wiki and stuff, and he was one of the screenwriters on Commando. Wow. So it, you know, it just goes to show he does more than just big dumb action. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna get a shed full of garden tools. See, do you see, Sean? Do you see where Donnie's going? That's where I went. It's all about the shed. That's right. It's all about the shed. Yes, and and being, being out in the open field with fifty-five people shooting at you and not getting hit once, but yet just on one knee with like guns ablaze, just shooting everybody. Oh no, my shoelace! I must stop. Yeah, (laughs) and I want to know. You knew that dude Bennett had no friends because when it. You guys, if you if you woke up one morning and came out your bedroom dressed with a with a chainmail vest on, I'd be like, "Look, it's not a good look for you." Mm. <laughs> That's right. All right. That's right. They just it's, let it's him a... go. And did he have a goatee as well, or was it? No, was he, he he had the Freddie Mercury uh, mustache. Yes, he it? did. But he had yes. the yeah. <laughs> it was towards the end of Freddie Mercury. There It wasn't really like uh. yeah. Uh, like like I was telling Matt, like I was telling Matt when we were recording, when, when my mom went to take me to see Commando, I said, "That's the that's the guy from Queen. Why is Arnold fighting the guy from Queen?" And my mom was like, "Shut up, boy. That is not Freddie Mercury." I'm like, "Mama, that is." She's like, "Boy, shut up. That's not him. Watch the movie." Okay, that's awesome. Mom. That is great. I'm not going dude. to kill you by way of song. <laughs> Oh, see now, 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 Bennett is the comic book guy. I love that. Yeah, that's good. I, I will kill you by way of song, and I've brought with me a Harrison Ford lookalike. Yeah, that would that would be that would be that would be awesome. And didn't where did, where did we go from that? We did Mortal Kombat because I thought that he was the same guy that played Kano. Yeah, yeah, you sure did. That was that was, that was a pretty good video game uh, video game voiceover right there for Kano. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can. I, I got some. Um, what's the Raiden noise? What's the right? The umbrella. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's my um, that's my all time. Um, but when they started giving presents to each other, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, to go from fatality all of a sudden, and then you move over to um, what was it? It was um, birthday gift or yeah. Valentine's a D. I don't even know what. What would we? <laughs> I remember Babality. That's and, it. That's it. And they turned them into babies. And then it was anim- animality. Yeah. Where they turn into an animal. And like, say, yeah. for instance, like Liu Kang would turn into a dragon and, and eat you. And then there was friendship. Yeah, that one and was just silly. I like that one because that dude would be like, friendship. Friendship? <laughs> like, he'd get all mad at you. <laughs> like, just, just beating the shit out of this man, and I do not want to kill him. I want to be his friend. Uh, see, what the, what, I think I think the creators of the game knew where it was going, because eventually it would be it would be sort of Sonya uh, and um, Liu Kang and Raiden and what what was the the 
the girl with the with the right with the kind of fans that used to rotate. Was that Melina? Katana. No, 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 that was. Oh, it was Katana. Okay. Yeah, Melina was the one with the size, and then she had the Baraka face when she took off the. Uh, okay, <laughs> that was it. I mean, I think it, the creators knew it was getting to the point where it was going to be kind of two girls, two guys, and then you do a combination, and it just went bisexuality. And it just it, it just gone too far at that point. <laughs> There were kids all over the world looking through computer magazines. I just need the code. For the- <laughs> <laughs> Up, down, left, right, A, B, C, D, shit. <laughs> oh, my mum's in the room. Pause. And there was no pause on Mortal Kombat. Sure wasn't. You had to fight. Mm. That's, see, that's, that's how they got you, though. Because it's like, well, he's got to keep, he or she got to keep playing. They got they- <laughs> Dinner's ready. No, it's not. <laughs> I remember when Mortal Kombat 3 came out yeah. for Sega Genesis. I was renting a, a, an apartment above my parents' house, and every Sunday, all the guys from the neighborhood would come over, and they would just bring tons of Pizza Hut and beer, and that's all we did all day long. Sean, you better be recording this. I'm oh, telling oh, you. oh, no, I am. <laughs> oh, he does. You don't even got to ask. He does. As soon as, as, soon as he say? says hello, your ass is being recorded. He's like the <laughs> fucking FBI. Say, Donnie, you, you might, every now and again, you must uh, you must tune into the show, and then it'll be uh, on this episode, and you'll be, hang on, that was an episode. <laughs> that, was just, that was just me walking up. Uh, <laughs> that was when I was getting at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> this one time at Bandcamp, and it makes it on, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, speaking of which, I had I um I watched um date movie um a couple of nights ago. Uh, I and, saw your post. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's okay. It's okay. I'm over it now. It's fine. Come to terms. Yo, man. See, you got to stay away from all those 20th Century Fox spoof movies <laughs> because, like, that studio is king for putting out these crappy ass spoof movies. Now, look. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind a good spoof movie every now and then. See, even Paramount learned. Paramount was like, you know what? We're going to do Naked Gun, Naked Gun Two and a Half, and Naked Gun Three, like within a span of six years, and they haven't mm. touched that shit since. Nah. No, no, they were supposed to do a Naked Gun Four, and OJ Dunn killed his wife. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of killed it. But see, but like now, give it a couple of years. It's too soon at the moment. But but you know, <laughs> see, you know. But what killed every? <laughs> seriously, what brought that genre back was Scary Movie. When they mm, when yes. Scary Movie came out, all these other studios said, "Hey, it worked for them. Why can't we do it?" And so, Between Century Fox has taken that and just run with it. Because I'm telling you, if you look at spoof movies over the past four or five years, Twentieth Century Fox has like eighty percent of them. Mm. Once again, we another thing we could blame the Wayne's brothers for. That's wrong with the world. <laughs> I, I, the thing was, though, for, for whatever reason, I, I, th- I think we um, we've got the not the Netflix. We don't, and over here, it's um, there's a thing called Love Film, which is part of Film Four. They've got like a rental DVD thing where you order it online and it turns up, and um, Blockbuster do one as well. And so I, we do the Blockbuster one, and um, I think. I think we thought it was date night for for whatever reason, um, which I want to see. I haven't yeah. seen date night, and Sean reviewed it. Thank you, um, and and it sounded pretty cool. And then we kind of put it in, and um, Willow from from Buffy in a fat suit um, was um, dancing to what brings the boys to the yard um, <laughs> with a fire hydrant on, and and it, it just sort of got worse and worse. But I, we kept sort of looking at it. every now and again there would be a laugh. Okay, you know, it was just kind of a dumbfounded laugh, but it was just to the point where 
they're spoofing Meet the Parents, and instead of breaking the urn and um, ashes coming out, an actual dead Norman Bates-style mum comes out of the urn, and then the cat humps it um, instead of instead of the other gags from Meet the Parents with the cat. And, and it was just, oh, oh that, that's bad. That's really bad. And get, get this to the point where there's a scene where they're trying to have a serious conversation near an alleyway and uh, between the two kind of love interests. And you're kind of looking at them in the foreground. And in the background is Michael Jackson in Earth Song guise before he went, oh. And um, he, uh, he's got a teddy bear. And you can hear him going, here, come here, come here. And I thought, no. Mm-hmm. And the camera pans and a little girl suddenly walks up to him and grabs the teddy bear. And he goes, yes. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then the mum comes in with a steel chair and hits the shit out of him. And then um, they, they move off, off scene, um, to, uh, by which point the mum's got Michael Jackson lookalike in a dumpster slamming his head against the lid. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was one of the gags. And it's just how far can you push this? It's kind of beyond shock yeah. humor, well, beyond shock comedy. You know, as long as 20th Century Fox earns like 18, like between 15 and 18 million dollars on on the opening weekend for these spoof movies, they're going to keep doing them. Um, mm. They had one that didn't, and it was basically a spoof of like all sports movies, and that one tanked. And so people thought, okay, they're done. Yes, they're not going to do these anymore. And then they came out with a couple more that made money, including Vampires Suck. And it still amazes me that in did that make money? Yeah, yeah, dude. Vampire Suck came out this weekend, and even though it placed it placed second, it made like I think like uh, sixteen million dollars or something like that. In its opening weekend, it's already made more than Scott Pilgrim. Oh, that's sad. That makes Scott me sad. Pilgrim was one of the best movies I've seen this year. Oh yeah, that's, and that, I, and that, I it's, it's not read, out here yet, so I'm still itching to see it. I haven't read. A single volume because I'm not into the manga style. Oh, it's not really a manga style, to be honest with you, man. It, it's it's just a Brian Lee O'Malley style. I don't I don't mm. see it as manga at all. I really don't. No, it, I don't. I, I don't see it. it. It may come off. It may come off to like if, if it all depends on how much manga you've read. To me, that's this isn't manga. This is just another form of storytelling. Well, it's, isn't it? They call it North American manga or whatever. Uh, I don't know, man. It doesn't come off to me that way. And because I've even, I mean, I've read some North American manga in my lifetime. I, I can't even classify this as North American manga. I just classify it as storytelling, um, you know, artistic storytelling. But I mean, to each their own. You know what I mean? So um, I, th- I think for me, it's the only the, the the closest it gets to manga to manga is it's black and white and it's digest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reads from left to right. And for me, you, you remember Wonder Boy for the Sega? Yes. Remember, for me, when I when I see Scott, I think Wonder Boy, um, for, and and I and that era of games and all that era of games is kind of referred to in in the books. But no, I I, I don't I don't sort of see the connection. There's there's little homages to uh, manga without a doubt, and, and anime, and yeah. you know, jumping fast with the lines going past the back of your head, and um, the, the little expressions on the faces where the eyes get real small, or there'll be lines or that sort of thing. But I, I you you dig it, Donnie, with, without a doubt. I mean, the I, I know kind of where the movie goes and the storyline 
that it kind of takes from the books and they made the right decision I think for the film even though I haven't seen the film um, that's the that's the, the most in- cinematically interesting story but the other bits and pieces from, from the books the, the kind of getting out of the slacker mentality and getting a job and the ex-girlfriend as well for him all that all that stuff is great i mean there's some laugh out loud moments for me in in those books i I think they're 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 very very good i am i whipped through them in absolutely no time at all it's like 20 minutes per volume (laughs) so they're good wow oh yeah definitely so yeah i mean and you should be able to find them on the cheap you know seriously it's good stuff man i'll go to the library and rent them and um take a look at them take a look at them and, and i think you'll dig it seriously i, I, I really do i mean because like like i said in one of our um sessions that we did to get together donnie i read this like i started reading it one night and i didn't want to put it down but i had to go to bed and then the next day mm. I, I read the rest and um yeah i love it but um i'll tell you what let's go ahead and wait 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 oh. sean i gotta tell you something okay tell All right. you something. i was flipping through ebay because i'm trying to I, i'm just i got some um Barry Allen flash issues. I just want to see what they're going for. Mm-hmm. I almost bought a lot and I stopped myself because <laughs> I have a problem. My my comic store today, li- listen to this shit. Last night I was in Manhattan because it was my friend's 40th birthday party. I I I was drunk. I'm not even going to lie. I was drunk. <laughs> I got home somewhere between 3 and 4, I think, in the, in the a.m., and my comic shop down the street had a 50% off back issue sale. My ass was up at 10 o'clock. Oh, boy. To go to that sale. And I, I just want you to know, I almost finished my run of the original Booster Gold, the original Blue Beetle, and the original, well, the and the, the Blue Devil. Mm. And the guy even looked at me like, really, you're buying this? 50% off and you're buying this? And I was like, don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want the sale? <laughs> but I'm going through... You know Flash the TV show? Yeah. 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 They have the Flash soundtrack two CD set. Hmm. 21.95. <laughs> what? Yep. Man, can't you find that on iTunes for like 4.99? I doubt it. <laughs> if I mean, who really looked? <laughs> to be honest with you, like I just want to give that guy the twenty bucks just because he wasted his time to buy that. Oh, <laughs> Makes me goodness. sad. Wow, but none of the issues I have for Flash are on eBay, <laughs> which, which is good or bad. I don't know. I, I, I don't, sir. I can't. I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. But my head's in the game. There was a proviso of I am drunk at the beginning, so there you go. (laughs) 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 All right. We are back with part two of our favorite 80s action film extravaganza. And this time, not only am I joined by Matt Burden on the call, but uh, this time, good buddy and fellow yes, co-host. Indeed, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was like a Matinee Idols intro. Do you know what? Start again. I'm tripping over you already. All right. No, no, All right. Let's try it again. <laughs> All right. No, go ahead. No, I can't no, do it. No, no, seriously, I wanna, I no, just, we want to hear you do Jesse Jackson now. Go ahead. We must facilitate, not deviate, while we bust a cap as we talk about this movie rap. See, and now we got dead air. So it's not going... It was, it was all right. It was okay. It was bad. I don't know whether it's worth the build-up. Yeah, no, no, right. That's what I'm saying. I lost half the words. <laughs> when y'all started talking, I lost the words. Uh, so I had to bring them back and get them. So, and now I have guilt. No, there is no guilt. <laughs> there is no guilt. All right. <laughs> but no. 
Oh my goodness! Wow. He's just doing lines. That's what he was doing. No, no, Off that, a stripper's ass in the background. That's what he. <laughs> no, that was after was gonna, kick. That was after kickboxer. <laughs> no kickboxer. He was. That was wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk more kickboxer? I mean, it's really hard because it's kind of. I know that we talked about kickboxer last night, but now thinking about it, there's even there's more. There's so much more that I want to talk about kickboxer, but I'm not. I'm going to restrain myself. I'm did did you guys good. talk about his fake ass drunk scene? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, oh, no, well, I say that, but then I've, I've talked about his dancing far too many times on other shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it he is, was a it, freaking. Come on. Yeah, it, it's um, you can you can break it down to um, a a learner ski instructor because he's kind of he kind of does the the thing either side of him. Then you click the fingers, and then it comes down to clapping either side of you. A quick <laughs> wiggle of the bottom, working the splits, and that's it. That, that's that's pretty much the dance. It's all there's you so need. many things on YouTube. You can you watch it and they have it on a loop. It's so bad. <laughs> so very bad. <laughs> Um, I don't know how we got here. I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I I think we should move from Michigan Action and Mr. Braddock over to uh, over to Matt and his choice. That's enough. Oh, and uh, just to show you, wait, I got, I got, I got. Well, I can't show you, but just to tell you, I this is how badass I am with action movies. I my list is actually on the back of my GI Joe Snake Eyes birthday card. Oh, <laughs> that is, that is action packed. That's that right. I'm writing on the back of a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> and it means you used a pen. You know, there was no typing involved at all. It's amazing. There was a weapon involved. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're going to move on <laughs> to the next one. I cannot believe Dottie was doing those Stallone shout outs. That shit was funny. God. Hey, do nothing. <laughs> I, don't think it's good I just good. want something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, well, is it my turn? Yeah, it, yeah. it's your turn. Cause... <laughs> Do you know who made a, a uncredited cameo in this? Well, not really a cameo, but you know who was in this movie and it was uncredited? Who? Richard Nixon. Jeff Lowe. Richard no. Nixon? Yep. He played himself in a speech. Archive footage. Uncredited. Uh, you know what? That, that ain't right. That ain't right. You can bring it up there. Here I'm thinking Nixon hopped on set for a minute, like, "Hey, let me, let me, let me sit in the back for a second, and drink this coffee while you break somebody's neck." <laughs> that would have been funny if he crashed through the wall of a TV studio where he was giving an interview and an impromptu fight. <laughs> Nixon versus Seagal fight, <laughs> USA. That would have been. <laughs> Come on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, oh, whose who's turn is it now? Whose turn? Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I just had my turn. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see here. Oh wait, wait! I gotta tell you before before we Highlander, the wrestlers were Jim Bronzel, Sam Fatu, Greg Gagne, Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts, and M- Michael Siet. Oh, the Hollywood Blondes, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There. <laughs> anyway. Please continue, sir. I'm just thinking now, Seagal versus Nixon. Fight! Two seconds later. Perfect KO! And that would have been it. (laughs) Next, we're going to Japan. Um... (laughs) If I ever asked you to brush your teeth. (laughs) Idiot! In Latin, Jehovah begins with an I. (laughs) 
Well, we're going to do one more go around before we close up the show. Um, I'll tell you what, Donnie, we will start with you. Go to Matt, and I'll close it out, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pick a number, one through four. Six. <laughs> no, just I'll have you. what you're having. <laughs> no, uh, three. Okay. All right, I still got it. You did not just do an impression of Sylvester Stallone singing <laughs> the Happy Days theme tune. But, uh, if I did, we would have over it. I just got an image of Stallone in the in in the men's room at the at the diner doing his hair. <laughs> his hey, as you got it. Adrian Adrian walks in for a milkshake. <laughs> but of course it's not an eight and it's not a milkshake, it's just three eggs broken into a glass. <laughs> Okay. Well, Matt, what, what's your final pick, sir? You know, you know. One day I'm gonna tell y'all the story when uh, Michael Winslow came to our high school. <gasps> yes, Michael Winslow came to our high school. I'll, I'll tell you that some other time, though. I'll tell you that some other time. No. Oh, you built it up. No, now. I, I, yeah, but I, I'll tell you one day. I promise. I promise. But it's real. Can you get? Can you get I, Donnie to do the trailer for the story, though? <laughs> It was a time when Michael Winslow came to speak to small children. <laughs> In a time where sound effects were relevant to today's youth, one man stood above them all. <laughs> Michael Winslow visits <laughs> Sean's school. Part one. <laughs> oh god! Oh, I need to use the mute button when I when you do that Can stuff. I- <laughs> Well, wait, wait for the uh, the Matinee Idols Exorcist special where we clockwork orange style force Alec to watch it, um, oh. and then um, and uh, and and then talk some background. That that's coming. That's coming for Halloween. So <laughs> check that out. All right, Jamie, Jamie, why you leave me, Danielle? You're not my mother. <laughs> Can right. you do that in the uh, Sylvester Stallone voice? Just for just to, just to, <laughs> just till we <laughs> we recast it. Let her die. <laughs> what is wrong? Remy, why are you leaving me down here, Remy? <laughs> I didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't do nothing to you. You're not my mother. <laughs> uh, stop okay. it. Stop it. Get the demon girl in the chopper. <laughs> See, see, I knew exactly where you switched to. I thought you were going to go into a co- into the Conan the Barbarian when he gets beaten up real bad at the beginning and goes, Dow, Dow, Dow. Oh, God. All right. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to pick my last movie before we close okay. this show. Yeah, it's, it's already like. <laughs> Is it Poltergeist? No, it's not Poltergeist. Because <laughs> we've covered it. <laughs> Fuck all that. It's not Poltergeist. Um. <laughs> to to quote uh, to quote Vin Diesel on the uh, Chronicles of Riddick movie, get that ass moving. <laughs> that is pro- that's possibly the first time that film's ever been quoted in, in the history. <laughs> I like Chronicles. In Ether. I like 
I think we should we should get together and do just a special episode on um, Escape from New York because I was going down the cast and you have Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, the master dude, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Henry Stanton. Do, do I need to go? Because I will no, go you, more. No, no, you just need to stop because that's a lot. Adrian Barbeau, dude, Swamp Thing titties. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought you were going to go on about how um, how Dame Judi Dench managed to be in Chronicles of Riddick. But no, you went all escape from New York. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that gets me too. I'm like, how do they pull her in, in this movie? They wanted an Academy Award nomination. <laughs> and she, she, she gets a nominated every time she wipes her ass. She's just... <laughs> And she ha- and she has a swooshy outfit in it that disappears and reappears. You know, she's an elemental, apparently. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, your show. Sorry, Donnie. <laughs> well, guys, but once again, don't, don't hang up after this. Uh, if we end this, but um, guys, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're not the first to me. <laughs> <laughs> and Adrian Barbo, just for just for, she was on, she <laughs> she played Carol in 93 episodes. Of Maud. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. <laughs> and then there's Maud. <laughs> Don't even start on some B author. But <laughs> And um, then there's Maud. <laughs> <laughs> but 